0: Good evening, everyone. Just on the jacket thing. I've like wore this the last two weeks and I've never received so much. I'm trying to think of the right word. In fact, you just fill in the blank, whatever. If, please turn with me to John 15. Uh, it's page 1083 in those red pew Bibles. And as you look that up, let me ask you a question. How do you feel about or react to the thought or the fact That you are and you will be hated. Okay, how do you feel about? How do you react to the thought or to the fact that you are and you will be hated? I imagine not great. I guess most of us, self included, we want to be liked. At least liked, loved would be a whole lot better, but liked will do. And yet, according to Jesus, if you are His disciple. If you are a Christian, then you will be hated, and it shouldn't come as a surprise for a number of reasons. And this kind of rather unpleasant idea is wrapped up and included in another one of those sayings of Jesus that we kind of wish he hadn't said. And for months now, if you've been coming along here on Sunday evenings, for months now, we have been reflecting on a whole set of those kind of controversial sayings of Jesus, really hard sayings of Jesus. And tonight, I'm going to draw this particular series to an end, and I know that's a relief for lots of you. But, but I find this last one that we're going to look at in John 15, and, and what it appears to indicate, I find it hard to take. I find it hard to accept because the idea of being hated just doesn't sit well. actually a bit distressing. Here's exactly what Jesus said to his disciples. This is verses 18 and 19. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, and that is why the world hates you. Now, I realize that that Jesus begins here, at least in our English translations, it reads if the world hates you, which almost implies that it might not. But as I understand it, and and many of you know this better than I do, but as I understand it based on the original construction, the kind of Greek construction of that sentence, this is a first-class conditional sentence which is assumed to be true from the author's perspective. In other words, there is no hint of doubt in this. And so a better translation, a more literal translation of this would be, since the world hates you. It's a given. It just will which is kind of affirmed by that last sentence of verse nineteen. This is why the world hates you, it just does. And if you need further proof of this, Matthew in Matthew ten, Jesus explicitly says to his disciples, You will be hated by everyone. So the world hates us. And Jesus explains why, so that we're not under any illusion or caught off guard, although it does stick a bit. Jesus actually gives us four reasons why the world hates us. But before we get to that, let me take a step back for a moment and consider, is this actually our experience? Okay, but be, like, be honest and don't, don't feed anything back, but I want you to be honest. Is this actually our experience? Is this the experience of disciples today? Are Christians hated by the world. Now, the term world probably needs unpacking a little. It can mean a number of things. It can mean the place, the environment, the culture in which we live. It can also mean the kind of spiritually corrupt system that is dominated by the evil one. The world can mean the moral order, which is in rebellion against God. And so when we talk about, or when Jesus talks about being hated by the world, we're not specifically thinking about individuals, although we could be. And so I guarantee you some of us have been thinking, hang on a minute, I don't think my colleague in work, my neighbor, my friend hates me as a Christian. In fact, if anything, I think some of my colleagues or neighbors respect me. But although that may be true, we need to realize that the world which they are part of, which Christians have been taken out of, as Jesus says in this section, and we'll obviously come back to that, the world that unbelievers are part of, the world that rails against God and godliness, the world that is still in darkness, the world that denies and dethrones God, the world that celebrates self that world to which so many people belong, that world hates Christians. And so, for example, and this is just an example, whenever we say that human life is sacred because we are made in the image of God, you can be sure the world and many individuals who belong to it will react negatively to that. They will express their frustration and their anger. Or you talk about historic Orthodox Christian marriage. Or going back to another one of those controversial sayings of Jesus we looked at. If you declare, if you stand up and you declare that Jesus is the only way to the Father and no one else comes to him but through Jesus. I guarantee you a negative reaction in our pluralistic world. Now for some, and Paul prayed along these lanes at the very beginning, but for some in our world, millions in fact, apparently it's almost 300 million plus. The hatred and the persecution that Jesus talks about for 300 million plus it's far more obvious and intense. You know, we live in a country here where we're free to come here and worship. We're free to attend church. We're free to meet with other believers. But for numerous disciples of Jesus around our global world, they're not free to do that. They're not allowed to do that. They're suppressed. They're persecuted. They're restricted. They are hated simply because they're Christians never mind what they say or share or do. And so although... We sometimes find it hard to think of being hated. There are many of our brothers and sisters on this 21st century planet Earth, in one of these 50 countries where it is just dangerous to be a Christian. They don't find it hard to think about this at all. Because for them, this is daily, this is personal, this is painful. So let's go back to the text to discover more and and discover why does Jesus say the world will hate us. Now remember this section, if, if you look at it you'll know this, this section in the middle of John 15 is part of what we generally refer to as the farewell disclosure of Jesus. So this is, this is part of the last speech of Jesus to his 11 disciples immediately after the conclusion of the last supper in that upper room in Jerusalem on the night before his crucifixion. And this farewell disclosure, as it's called, this last speech of Jesus, runs from John 14 to John 17, four chapters. And so Jesus, and this is, remember, the last night before he dies, and so Jesus is saying this and sharing this with his disciples to tell them, listen, you need to know what lies ahead. I need to inform you what to expect. And so he is sharing last minute teaching as he gets ready to die. And so within these four chapters, there are words of comfort. There are words of promise. There are words of instruction. And there are words of warning. And this part that we're looking at tonight in the middle of John 15 falls into the category of a word of warning and could be described, if you like, as a reality check. But just before we we do read it in full, it's also vital to acknowledge what Jesus had shared immediately prior to these sobering words. If you glance up at the top at the beginning of John 15, you'll discover those well-known words and advice all about the vine and the branches. And so Jesus has been talking about remaining in him and abiding in him and remaining in his love and allowing his words to remain in his disciples. And Jesus says, part of this remaining and abiding in me involves obedience to my commands. And the one explicit command that Jesus refers to and says you must keep is this. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And then in verse 17, that's verse 12, by the way. But in verse 17, he repeats it. This is my command, love each other. And then in the very next verse, the verse we're starting at tonight, verse 18, he then starts talking about hatred a very different emotion. Now, that's clearly not accidental. It's deliberate. And so, as we move on to look at verses 18 to 27 we discover that one of the ways to handle the hatred, one of the ways to maintain your faith in your discipleship is to remember and to practice love for one another. You see, if Christians are going to live in this world and not be consumed by the negativity, if they're going to survive the hostility, the verbal and physical attacks of this world, then loving one another in the family of God is crucial. That's why unity is so essential. And so at the end of this farewell disclosure in John chapter 17, Jesus prays that Christians would be one. Do you know, it's hard enough to be a disciple of Jesus in this world without finding disunity and division and tension and conflict and a lack of support and love within the family of God. Shame on us as Christians, in our world that so often we are marked by disunity and division and conflict. Jesus says, my command, this, is my, this is the most explicit command I can say to you as I talk to you before I leave you, love one another. You see, the remedy to hatred from the world is love in the church. So let's take a closer look. And let's listen to the reasons why Jesus says you're hated. And and then going to reflect on how we might respond. So we're going to get positive. I know this I kind of feel today if you've been at both services. Like you're going to some of you have lost the will already. But listen, let's let's read what it says here. And if you're a visitor to Windsor, what we do here at Windsor is we stand for the public reading of God's word. So let's stand together. So this is John 15. The words will be in the screen, or if you want to follow it in your Bible. If the world hates you or A literal term, since the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world, and that is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is is to fulfill what is written in their law, they hated me without reason. And when the advocate comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Grab a seat. Let me go through this quick. Jesus gives his disciples at least four reasons why they will be hated or are hated. And the first one is simple. Because Jesus was. It's honestly as simple as that. He says, they hated me first. And so if you are a follower of mine, you can expect the same. It shouldn't come as a surprise. Now, some people may want to argue that Jesus wasn't hated across the board. And why would he be? I mean, he healed sick individuals. He fed hungry crowds. He restored people's dignity. He transformed lives. He spoke comforting words. But at the end of the day, people wanted rid of Jesus. Religious leaders wanted rid of him. Government authorities wanted rid of him. And even those people who did witness and experience his amazing kindness and goodness and love, they didn't exactly offer an alternative voice to the one That cried in unison, crucify him. But one of the main reasons that the world hated and hates Jesus, one of the main reasons is because Jesus exposes darkness. He exposes evil. He shines a light into darkness. And men love darkness rather than light. And therefore Jesus threatened and threatens the moral order that is in rebellion against God. He upsets the spiritually corrupt world system that is dominated by Satan. In John 7, Jesus put it like this. And he was actually speaking to unbelievers here. So the world cannot hate you. Of course it cannot hate you. You're part of it. But it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You see, Jesus called it out and got it in the neck. And whenever we do likewise, for example, on the sanctity of life, you can expect a similar reaction. The world hates Jesus. And if you're one of his followers it'll hit you as well because because light illuminates darkness goodness unmasks badness truth exposes error godly living uncovers sin live like jesus which is what disciples are called to do live like jesus and you better be prepared for the backlash The second reason Jesus gives for the hatred that we will experience is in that next verse, verse 19, where Jesus says, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. And as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That's why. So second reason is, you don't belong here anymore. You don't belong to the world. And that's, that's why it hates you. If you didn't follow Jesus, according to Jesus, you, you would still belong to the world, and then you'd have no hassle but because you have been chosen out of this world. Now, that's a huge issue in itself. I'm not going to go there tonight. Because you've been chosen out of this world, because this world is not your home. Or to quote another New Testament writer, Peter, what does he say? You are foreigners now. You are strangers here. And because you're a foreigner, because you're a stranger, because you don't belong in this world, you're going to have a problem here. Now, let's be really careful. This does not mean that we should batten down the hatches and isolate ourselves and distance ourselves from the world and get as far from it as possible. Some people have taken it to mean that. But later on in this farewell discourse, and again, going back to John 17 at the end of it, this is how Jesus prays to his father. I am not praying, says Jesus, that you will take them out of this world but that you will protect them from the evil one. Jesus does not pray that the father would take Christians out of this world. We remain and we stay in this world, but we are no longer off this world. And so we live our lives in this place and amongst and with everyone else and we go and we spend time with and we draw alongside and we socialize with and we work beside, but as those chosen by Jesus to belong to him and follow him, We don't belong here any longer. We're now citizens of heaven. We're kingdom dwellers. And because of that, says Jesus, because you don't belong here anymore, the world hates you. So deal with it. So why does the world hate you? It hates you because it hated me, says Jesus. And it hates you because you don't belong here anymore. Third reason is in verse 21, where he writes, says, they will treat you this way. In other words, they will hate you. Or in verse 20, 20, he talks about persecution. They will hate you, and they will persecute you because of my name. And here's the bit. For they do not know the one who sent me. The world and those who belong to it don't know the Father. Their relationship with him hasn't been restored. And therefore, and this me say, they remain ignorant of him. He is not. They could not pray the way we pray tonight. They could not pray, our Father. He's not. They haven't submitted. They haven't worshipped. They haven't asked for forgiveness. And therefore, because they don't know the God who so loved the world that he sent Jesus, they remain ignorant. Enemies of God estranged from him and against him. And as a result, enemies of those who belong to him. The world, says Jesus, will hate you because they don't know my father. You do. But they don't. In verse 23, you heard what Jesus said. He said, whoever hates me... Hates my father as well. So do you know something? We're in good company. So don't take it personally. The fourth reason comes from the end of verse 25. And it's a fact that that is a quote from Psalm 35 and Psalm 69 where it says, they hated me without reason. And so the final reason is there is no reason. Just because. Just because. Do you know, it's almost illogical. It doesn't make sense. David, who, who wrote those psalms, often found himself hated. And he couldn't understand why. And so that's why he said, they hated me without a reason. And Jesus echoed those sentiments here in John 15. Now, as he says in verse 25, if you look down, this was to fulfill the law. Okay. But there really was no good, no worthy, no valid reason why Jesus was and is hated. But that's how it is in a broken and fallen world. And therefore, we may never understand why the world hates us the way it does. Because there is no reason. And so, this controversial saying of Jesus, since the world hates you, It reveals and confirms that there are four reasons for it. Because Jesus was, you follow him, it's just the way it is. It's because you don't belong here anymore. I've chosen you out of this world. And therefore, those who are still part of this world, they don't don't like you, they hate you. Thirdly, the world doesn't know my father. And fourthly, there is no reason. So how do we respond? Here's the positive bit. How do we respond? How should we respond? Because sometimes what happens is this is not about a pity party. This is also not about pointing the finger at the world. This is not about feeling sorry for ourselves or having a go at the world. We've already outlined two key ways based on the beginning of this chapter. Here's how you respond. You remain in Jesus you abide in Jesus. You remain in his love. And then you love one another. Let me share two more responses. Because in verses 26 and 27, the last two of the chapter, and I read them as part of it, and I know some of our translations actually divide the last two verses from the rest of it. But there weren't those divisions in the original. But in verses 26 and 27, the last two, Jesus returns to a subject and to a promise that he's already been talking about as part of this farewell disclosure from John 14 to John 17. And in John 14, Jesus assured his disciples when as he was telling them about the fact that he was leaving them, he says, listen, someone is coming to help you. Someone else is coming to journey with you another advocate is coming. And that someone was the Holy Spirit who Jesus says, I'm going to ask the Father to send him, and he's going to be with you forever. And he's not only going to be with you forever, he's going to be in you. And he's going to teach you all things. And he's going to remind you what I taught you. And here at the end of chapter 15, here's what Jesus says about this another advocate, this Holy Spirit. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. And so the world may hate you, but how do you respond? You share Jesus. You testify about Jesus. We know God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. And now Jesus sends us into this world to be his witnesses. To be his testifiers. And so we abide in Christ. We remain in him and in his love. We love each other and we reach out to the world even though it hates us. And the final two things that we do for a world that feels like this about us is we do good to those who hate us and we pray for them. Because back to one of the very first controversial sayings of Jesus that we looked at, it wasn't I that looked at it, it was Alan Wilson who came and looked at this. Matthew 5, here's what Jesus said. I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That is so controversial. That is so countercultural. That is so Christ like. And that's our calling. And so the world hates you. And you need to know that. And you need to be prepared for that. And it does so because it hated Jesus first. It does so because you don't belong here. It does so because they don't know the Father. It does so just because. And so, how should you respond? Remain in Jesus, abide in his love, love one another deeply, share Jesus with the world. Do good to those who hate you and pray for this world.